Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. I'm back in Prague this week. It's a rainy day. Not much happening. It's actually great to have a period of life with no travel the next few weeks. I'm just here, just grinding away on the business, working VAPS events on a bunch of events for autumn or fall for Americans, and also Events Frame, working on onboarding more users onto our events platform. Just to mention in the beginning, Events Frame is the sponsor for this podcast. It's a company I'm a partner in. We're a ticketing system, very much like Eventbrite, but with a few huge improvements. Firstly, costs, we're much, much cheaper. We've got low-cost plans starting from just $20 a month. You can sell tickets for any kind of event. You can integrate with, with your Stripe account, your PayPal account, your Braintree account, your bank account. We integrate with all the email marketing systems, MailChimp, Infusionsoft, anything you want to use. We, we integrate with CRMs, everything you need. So check it out. Go to eventsframe.com, E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com. And if you email dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at eventsframe.com with the subject line podcast, I'm going to give you a special secret discount code, which will be a lifetime value discount code. So on to this week's podcast interview. Today, we had a returning guest, hugely interesting guy called Jeff Berwick. Jeff is an anarchist and he runs a conference called Anarchapulco in Acapulco, Mexico. And it's a conference for anarchists from all around the world. And it's Really, I mean, just the fact there is a conference for anarchists is fascinating. I'm kind of fascinated by this whole subculture. But it's really interesting. It had a lot of big names coming in uh, from the U.S. Ron Paul, who was a presidential candidate, libertarian guy, was there. A lot of famous people. And it's a very dramatic story. There was a tragic shooting of one of his community beforehand in Acapulco. So it really impacted his event. A lot of people canceled uh, before because of the shooting. In addition... Uh, a lot of people had bought, they'd sold tickets for using Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And given the price has declined, I mean, as we're recording, the price of Bitcoin is maybe $5,000, but the high was 20000 So lot, So they sold it and they didn't hedge the Bitcoin. So they really uh, had a crazy situation where a lot of people canceled, but they still managed to double the size of their event. And, and that's one of the things I really want to talk about today. Like, how do you grow? I mean, obviously, we, we do a lot of episodes and talk about how do you start a conference in the first time. But then a lot of people, you guys have already got a conference, and now we're looking, how do you level up? How do you get it? Because he's doubled it in four years. Every He's doubled the size of a conference every year. And this time, 2,000 people, which is a, a huge event. And, and Jeff's a real hands-off manager. He's, he's got a, a team of people running it, and he's even got a committee for next year. So he talks a lot about how he systemizes it because he's not a detail person. He doesn't like to run things directly. So fascinating interview, really interesting guy, quite a character. So here's the interview with Jeff Berwick. Hi, this is Dan Taylor. Welcome to the Events Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have returning guest, Jeff Berwick. Uh, Jeff runs a lot of things. He runs Dollar Vigilante. He runs Anacast. And he runs the Anacapulco conference in Mexico. Now, I'm going to link to the other interview. We had a really cool interview where Jeff talked about all his adventures in, adventures in business and how he ended up starting the conference, how he ended up moving to Mexico. This year, the conference really scaled. Like It was up to, I think, 4,000 
people. So I wanted to get Jeff back on the podcast to talk about what it's like scaling, you know, go through what actually happened. There's a lot of, I mean, there were some big names coming this year, a lot of things happening. So first of all, Jeff, huge welcome to the, to the podcast. Thank you very much, Dan. Great to be back on with you. Cool. And it's obviously great. You've got the green screen there now. It's cool. Are you, are you still in the, in the high-rise apartment like last time with the view of Acapulco down below? Uh, yeah, yeah, I actually just used the green screen because uh, it's better quality. Uh, but yeah, I'm still still got that. Excellent. So, Jeff, let, let's talk a bit about uh, an Acapulco. So, I guess we're recording this in 24th of April. So, I guess how long how long since the conference finished? Uh, it's been about two months now. Yeah. And how are you feeling? You, you, you said just before we started recording, you're just about recovering. You said like it was a it was a pretty mental period for you in, in how it all went. Yeah, you know, in, uh, in in one way, I recovered really uh, better than I've ever recovered. Uh, within a few days, I was back, like, able to do some work, but yeah. I really didn't realize it really was about a month, though, until I was really back to what I would call normal. Uh, yeah. It's just those things, as you know, they just take so much out of you. And it, it, an Archipoco, not many conferences are this this big or this yeah. long. Uh, it's really a, an entire week. It's basically six full days for me personally uh, with speeches on many of the days. Yeah. So it's sort of like I kind of know what Tony Robbins feels like a little yeah. bit, but like he does it for like eight hours. Like yeah. I can't even imagine. Like mine are just like a half hour, an hour at a time. Uh, but uh, but then it's also your event and you have to make sure that everything's going well. You have to go and meet people. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah it really it takes a lot out of you now the first question is you said beforehand you were this this year you were going to be super healthy you weren't going to drink or anything did you manage to keep to that did you keep to that uh resolution oh did i say i wasn't going to drink because well you, I, you I said like yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna take it easy you said like because he said the yeah, first yeah. time you just got drunk and you were like oh man and then, <laughs> then you took it a bit easier you know yeah yeah i don't know if i ever said i wasn't going to drink but i did Never drink been. but i did take it quite a bit easier yeah. so um i decided to move into the hotel this year where the event is i, I don't normally do that because it's a little bit overwhelming to have yeah. thousands of people around they all know you they all want to talk to you but i had my wife with me i had my dog with me the entire time and i also had uh, some good friends uh, uh two people one sort of like my life coach and one's just with my best friend and all of them were kind of like taking care of me so they, they'd cool. see I'd be surrounded by people they'd come <laughs> and, and like say Jeff has to go somewhere and then they'd take me away and then I'd even go up to my room and or go get a massage or something and these are things that I never did in the past that uh, I did this year so I, I really tried to um, uh, Bring in a lot of balance. I, I did drink a fair amount but I, I, I didn't like get drunk I would yeah say. that's, that's, that's um, the way yeah, because there's just so many cocktail parties and stuff. You always have a glass of wine in your hand, at least. Uh, but uh, I didn't get too carried away, so that was good. So That's in cool. general, for me, on a personal level, it was, it was very successful. Uh, I've made that mistake. We ran an event in Hanoi in Vietnam a few years ago. And, and, and just, you know, got super drunk, super late. And then, you know, like, everything goes wrong the morning after. When, as soon as you do that, it, like, everything it's like, ah. Oh. Oh man, you know, it was just the worst. But um, yeah, I think there's actually something to that. I think when you drink a lot, you actually affect reality because I think you create I really say, reality. Yeah. And it seems like if you drink a lot, all of a sudden everything just starts going bad because you're in a different energy space and yeah. all of a sudden everything's off. And so I don't think it's a coincidence, actually. I've noticed that myself yeah. that if I drink a lot the next day, everything goes wrong and yeah. you can't handle it because you're hung over. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just like yeah. a complete disaster. So in many ways, that alcohol is not a good thing. No, it definitely isn't. But it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's tough to, in the world we live in, it's not everywhere, you know. But um, I want to start at the beginning. So like before the event, like obviously this year, we're going to talk about what it's like to scale up uh, to make an event really, really big. Like did people start arriving like a long time before, like a week before? Like when did the kind of the atmosphere start building for you? Were you getting involved in things a week before, two weeks before? 
Yeah, it's about a week before that people just start showing up. Yeah. Uh, and this is all organically. We never told anyone to do this yeah, or anything. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people come from a, a very far away. It's a very international conference. I used to see the ticket sales come in uh, in the old days, like a year or two ago, and I'd see every ticket sale come in, and it'd always be a different country. I'd be yeah. like, whoa, Japan, oh, Israel, oh, yeah, Australia. Yeah. It's like, wow, like everyone's from all over the world. So when you're coming from across the world, I, it totally makes sense not just to come for like four days, why yeah. not come for a week or a week and a half or something like that? And that's what a lot of people do. So yeah, really about a week before you can really see it all building. And then uh, for at least a week afterwards, there's still a lot of people and a lot of parties. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's really an, a few week event. And how did it go into build up? So we want to walk through the whole thing. Like you, you had like your kind of, you said you had your room, you, you had a team of I think three or four people running the event. Like were they all on site like a week before dealing with any problems with the speakers, problems with the hotel? Were they all in the hotel like beforehand? Yeah, actually, I had, uh, for the first time, professional management, yeah. uh, a person named Jessica Kill uh, let it up, and uh, she actually came from outside of our community, and actually, that caused a lot of problems that we're still kind of dealing with. Uh, that's a whole other story we can get into, but she has a history of running major events, yeah. uh, and uh, so for her to run, like, you know, Grammy parties and all these, you know, major things with all these stars and, and that sort of thing, and, you know, if you dealt, you probably have uh, dealt with, like, celebrities, or at least semi-celebrities. Yeah. They're almost always a pain in the butt. Yeah. They want everything. That they're like little spoiled brats, basically. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But she's used to dealing with it. So she brought in like a, a team of her own people, and they really did that. And yeah, they, they were definitely in there a few days before the event, maybe four or five days before, uh, and dealing with just, you know, getting the, the, the uh, stage construction and all that kind of stuff and dealing with just all the, the regular stuff you have to deal with as an event with cancellations. We actually had, I don't know if we talked about this last time, probably not. Uh, but there was actually a fairly major event that occurred about a week before the conference. So tell, tell yeah. me, no, we didn't talk about it. Yeah, so um, the, the conference called in Acapulco. It's in Acapulco, Mexico. Yep. And a lot of people have sort of moved down and, and just lived in Acapulco. And Acapulco is quite safe if you're just a tourist or a foreigner and you stay in the tourist areas. Sure. But if you go outside of those areas and if you get involved in the drug trade at all yeah. in Mexico, you're going to have some major problems. And there was a person who a lot of people in the community knew because he had been living in Acapulco for a while. And he actually got shot and killed about a week before the conference. Wow. And this actually made international news wow. uh, because it, it had two key words in it. Mexico, they always want to make it seem dangerous yeah. as possible. And anarchists. So yeah. anarchists kill in Mexico yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and then they throw in like Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency anarchists yeah, uh, yeah. involved in the drug trade killed in Mexico it had like every keyword you can imagine yeah. for having the top headline yeah. and uh, so we had that and we had a few people cancel uh, we had one speaker cancel it was actually uh, Judge Napolitano of Fox News and I actually have to make a public apology to him because I actually kind of got mad at him on my speech at, on stage yeah. and I found out later he actually didn't cancel it was actually Fox News uh, he's got a contract with them and they right. saw this news and they thought oh it's dangerous too dangerous for him to go so it actually wasn't his fault but so, these are the kind of things that we had to deal with this year <laughs> that a lot of conferences don't necessarily have to deal with uh, a lot of people are uh, scared thinking is Acapulco safe to come to it's totally safe we're in like a five-star 
star resort. Uh, it's like one of the safest places in the world where sure. we actually have the actual event. Yeah. But if you go into the hills and you go into the ghettos of Acapulco, yeah, you, you're going to run into some rough people. You know, it's interesting because I've, like yourself, I've traveled a lot. I've traveled all around Africa. I've traveled all across Latin America. I've traveled across Asia. I've, I've, I've been held up at gunpoint in a couple of places. But, you know, if you're streetwise and you travel a lot, you, you know that, you know, Dill, like, you know, if you're getting robbed, someone typically it's, it's a drug addict or someone is pretty desperate. You give them your money and that's 99 times out of 100. That's the end of it. You know, you just give them the money. You don't cause a scene, you know, and that's it. You know, you don't bother going to the cops because they're not going to do anything. And, and, you know, so for me, it doesn't freak me out. You know, the, the worst thing that ever happened to me was it was in Los Angeles. I got mugged by three guys in, in Hollywood, like a proper gunpoint, you know. So but I think if someone lives in America or lives in Western Europe and they haven't traveled a lot like we have, it's, it's, it's kind of intimidating because they're terrified of getting mugged, you know. And like, I, I think for me, once you've been mugged once, it, it's it's not a big deal. You know, you know the outcome, what it's going to be. You know, pretty much every time. Yeah, uh, and it's very, very rare to get yeah. mugged in in uh, Acapulco or in a lot of these places. But and as you pointed out, actually, the most of the more, more scary situations I've been involved in have been in Canada and the U.S. Yeah. Uh, in Canada, and I'm from Vancouver. I grew up uh, and I used to go to the clubs when I was like 20 years old yeah. in Vancouver. And it's a very there's a major drug trade in Vancouver yeah. with a lot of gangs. There's Vietnamese gangs. Indian gangs, yeah. and I'd go to a club, and there'd be shootouts all the time. Right. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but people just kind of go, oh, you know, they don't really think about it that much. But they hear about Mexico, they're like, oh, it sounds really dangerous. Yeah. Like it's really, in many ways, in some ways, it's a lot safer in Mexico. Definitely. I find, for sure. Yeah, but uh, people just have this perception of it, and and then when you have someone who's fairly well known to a lot of the people at the conference getting killed the week before, it definitely uh, has an effect on the event. Yeah, uh, and it's definitely something that uh, we had to deal with. And it was just another sort of situation. It's like, you know, how many things can kind of go wrong uh, like a week before of all things, you know, and, you know, rest in peace. John Gall was his name. Uh, his uh, wife, Lily, for uh, she's been uh, we, a lot of the people in the community have been helping her and That's stuff terrible. like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but as far as the effect on the event, it was definitely a stressful time uh, yeah. to have that all happen a week before. That That's yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously it's a terrible thing. I mean, it just, yeah, it, it, it really is now. Uh, I, if you were going to do this again, because a lot of events I run, I actually, um, there's no refund. You know, you buy a ticket, you can transfer the ticket to someone else. Like, do you think, again, you think it's the right thing to do to refund people if, if they decide last minute they don't want to come? They can just cancel? Well, just like you said, we have the same policy that we don't have refunds. Yeah. And at, probably for the same reason that you do it, because... A lot of people will just, especially you have these sort of deals beforehand where you can get a discount and then yep. people sign up. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if, if a lot of people cancel at the last minute, it really affects the event. Sure. Uh, like you, you have a certain budget and if they cancel and if you have refunds for it, like you're big, pretty much like scrambling yeah, or yeah. going broke doing the event, which isn't very fair to yeah. you either. So, so we have the same sort of policy and it's actually been pretty good. We have such a large community of people who are interested in these sort of things that if someone can't make, and this happens every year when you have thousands of people from across the world, obviously someone's going to have some sort of problem. They lost their job or someone yeah. in the family died or they're sick or whatever it is. And, uh, but they can generally just go on our message boards and, and there's usually someone there who will, uh, want to buy the tickets. So that usually works out cool. fine. And you mentioned that this event event coordinator you got, um, she wasn't from kind of the anarchist community. Uh, and you said that caused problems. Is that something you can talk about? Like what kind of issues? Like what, what, what was the reason for that? 
Yeah, uh, well, first of all, um, one thing to kind of recognize with our sort of community or our event is that 10 years ago, it was absolutely tiny. There was maybe, well, I know for, uh, like, Murray Rothbard is one of the people who, he actually coined the term anarcho-capitalist, uh, and he used to hang out with people like um, uh, all the, Ayn Rand and people yeah, like yeah. that, and they used to sit in their apartment in New York in, like, the 80s and 90s, and Jeffrey Tucker, who actually was the MC at our conference this year, he was actually there when they were talking about, and they said, how many true anarcho-capitalists do you think there are in the world? And this is back in the late 80s or early yeah. 90s, and they said maybe 15. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so about 10 years ago, there was maybe a few thousand, I would say, yeah. uh, and now there's hundreds of thousands, if not possibly millions, and yeah. this is all in the last 10 years, so... Uh, one of the biggest issues is that, uh, and this is just a growth issue, uh, even in Arcapoco, this was our fifth year this year. And in the first year, it was 120 people. And we all knew each other because yeah. it's such a small community. Yeah. So as you're growing, you have a lot of problems because all of a sudden people feel kind of like, oh, you, I thought we were friends. Why am I not on the main stage? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, there's only 40 spots and we have 100 amazing speakers here. Yeah, we can't yeah. have the same people every year and we're still friends, you know, and then you bring yeah, in a yeah, new yeah. manager and they're like, well, who's this? And then, you know, it's just like all this, it's basically growth pains um, yeah. that, you, that you have with these sort of things. But and I actually on purpose brought someone in from a side of the community uh she is an anarchist but she turned into an anarchist because of me so she's a recent new anarchist basically yeah. i met her at an she was there for a cryptocurrency company and uh i i told and she, at an Arcapoco, she basically turned into an anarchist but she was basically a brand new anarchist good and um uh, I wanted to bring in someone from outside a little bit who didn't know everyone because there was already within a few years, there was so much sort of like nepotism and favors and, and the person running the event, it's like, oh, he's my buddy and this yeah, guy yeah. Can, can do this. And I was like, I don't like this. I want this to be as like proper as possible, like just really well run, uh, no little kickbacks or buddies or, or little yeah, cliques yeah. or anything. Uh, so I just brought in a new person, but that did cause definitely some problems as I think every time, like if you look at a sports team, whenever they bring in a new head coach or a new general manager, there's always some problems. You're going to have some of the players don't like the new coach and, yeah, and yeah, because yeah. he's going to change things, right? And, and they liked it the way it was. So yeah, you're yeah. always going to have those kind of problems. And, and we definitely have those kind of problems this year. Definitely. And what can you just mention? What are the numbers like? Like from the, from the first year, like what, what, how many people came to the first event? You said 120? Yeah. We've and then all, how did it go in subsequent years? Yeah, we basically have doubled every year. So the yeah. first one was about 120. The second one was about 300. The third was about 600. Uh, 2018 was about 1,200. And it wasn't 4,000 this year, just to let you know. We actually didn't hit our targets. We were hoping for three, but we, yeah. we got just above 2,000 this okay. year. That's still and huge. And a big part of that reason was the cryptocurrencies. Uh, are Almost everyone at our conference are major into cryptocurrencies, and they were down about 95% yeah. last year. So a lot of people just didn't have the funds to be able to come uh, last year. Yeah, although it's coming back, and, and you and you actually said on the podcast, you know, watch for a bit of movement this year in Bitcoin. You know, it looks like it's there's, there's movement ahead in the price. So it's, things have definitely gone up a bit in the last month. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and just so you know as well, that was a major problem for us also last year in that a lot of people actually paid for the ticket in cryptocurrency. Uh, and a lot of people bought the tickets way back in March, April, May, yeah. June, back when Bitcoin was five to $10,000. Yeah. By the time the conference went off, Bitcoin was at 3000 And we actually hadn't hedged a lot of that. So yeah, we actually... Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if we lost money or if we broke even, but it was very close. We're still just adding up the final numbers. Yeah, it's yeah. taken like this long to do it all. Uh, but uh, we would have made some good money, but uh, we, we might have even lost money just because of the crypto market. And then on top of that, it was like a double whammy. Uh, we didn't hit our, our projection of 3,000 people because the markets were so bad and a lot of people couldn't afford to come. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we, ha we had less people come and we made way less money. We actually almost lost money, I think, uh, because of the crypto market. But we survived it and that's, yeah. that's the key. And uh, as you pointed out, uh, crypto, like it was around 3,500 when uh, the conference was two months ago. It's about 5,500 right yeah, now. Yeah. So almost close to a double. And so uh, in, in we're going to be uh, doing very well this year if, if this continues, obviously. Yeah, just, I mean, a quick aside on Bitcoin, like what, what's your, I mean, what are, you, what are you thinking at the moment? I mean, you, you think it's going to be a rocky year still ahead or do you think it's going to be up at the end of the year? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be up at the end of the year and yeah. maybe a lot. I I was one of the few people uh, and my partner, Ed Bugos at the Dollar Vigilante, we both said when it hit around 3,000 uh, about, what was that, four months ago, yeah. that was probably the bottom. It could go lower, uh, yeah. but it's probably the bottom and we really recommended starting to buy to our subscribers in the dollar vigilante yeah. there was a lot of people on the internet they're all like no it's going to go lower it's going to go to two it's going to go to 1500 yeah. now it still could this is possible uh, but it's quite unlikely at this moment in time especially when you understand all of the things going on in the space there's so many big things happening in fact we're actually launching a completely new newsletter called the crypto vigilante in yeah. the next couple of weeks because there's cool. so much in this space to cover that we just can't cover everything at the dollar vigilante we need a whole entire team for the crypto space but i'm super excited about it um, i don't want to make any price predictions nope. for this year on bitcoin but uh it definitely could go a lot higher this year cool so so back to the event jeff so what what was your role because you're, you're obviously you've got this professional person i mean you're kind of a celebrity in your area. Like, were you the guy getting the speakers and were you using that to kind of reach? I used to mention Fox News and these big names. Like, was that your role or what, what, what did you give yourself a job specifically apart from being like the host? I don't really call anything I do a job, but yeah. uh, uh, a lot of, you know, I started the conference in the old days. I was bringing in everything, all yeah. the speakers, everything. And I still do. Uh, I think this year, uh, probably about 80% of the major speakers were just people I know because I yeah. know everyone. Uh, so it's just so easy to send an email and, and they know me, so they're happy to come. Uh, but there was definitely some, like we had some speakers on the main stage this year that I had never heard of yeah. uh, that uh, did really well. So yeah. uh, that uh, our, our management team brought in and and that were recommended by other people that we knew and, and they just went ahead and went for it. And it, it turned out really well. But uh, for next year, we're going to, um, I, it's just getting too big now. Yeah. And, um, and the decisions, um, you know, it's a lot of pressure on one person to be so, making all these decisions. Yeah, yeah. So I decided this for this coming year, we're trying to put together a bit of a council or a committee. Yeah. And it's a lot of the people who've been around the conference since day one, who've been speaking at it or been going to the conference and they know what uh, is good about the conference. They know what some of the problems are. They know what can be improved. Uh, and they, they also know, because one of the big things I think, and this happens I think with every sort of major event, is when it starts small and it gets really big, it's really hard to keep the vibe of when Definitely. it was really small. And we're trying to do that as every event does. 
Uh, but of course, as it gets bigger and bigger, it gets harder and harder to keep that that initial vibe that you had. But I think by bringing in a, a number of people who have been around since day one, we we have a better chance of keeping that that same vibe that we had even when we were really small. Definitely. And one thing I want to ask about the speakers because how, I mean, you know, it's so important to have good speakers. And like you mentioned, you know, a lot of the time you can get an unheard of person and they can just hit it out of a park, but they'll get better, better feedback than, than the big names. You know, what do you, what, what were you doing to sort of vet the speakers? Cause you're so big. You obviously had a lot of people contacting you. Were you, were you looking back at their videos or, or were your team looking back at their videos on YouTube or were you asking for references or how were you kind of checking if this person was going to be a good presenter or not? Oh, that's a good question. It's pretty like one-on-one -on -one sort yeah. of a thing. Uh, throughout the year, I'll notice something, somebody, I'll, I'll be like, whoa, I just saw this speech from this guy. That guy was amazing. Yeah. And I'll add it to a list of people for us to contact to speak next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I kind of, it's just sort of this ongoing sort of organic thing. Uh, our community is very active. So for example, like just yesterday, I saw on our uh, Facebook message board for an Poco, uh, someone suggested uh, Graham Hancock. I don't know if you know him, but uh, he's but, quite into psychedelics and yeah. also history stuff. And uh, he was like, he should definitely speak in our book. And about 20 other people said, yes, we, uh, that he'd be awesome. So, so right there, I was like, okay, definitely we have to look at this guy. I've heard of him as well. I don't know a lot about him, but I've heard of him and I heard really great things about yep. him. So, so we'll just kind of do that. It's kind of like... Uh, we kind of don't decide on all the speakers right off the top. We kind of decide on maybe five or 10 that we're, we're like, these are like really amazing speakers. Uh, and then throughout the year, we're just kind of like figuring out which ones uh, sure. we can fill in with and, and, and things like that. Cool. So, so let's get back to the event. Obviously, the team were getting ready. You had a few cancellations because of the, uh, this, the, the, the tragic incident. How did it go? Like, how did it kick off the registration, everything? I guess you were at the hotel a day before. Did, did it all start smoothly? Yeah, it was, it was by far the most professional we've ever run because in the past, uh, I ran it the first year and that was a disaster. I should never run anything. I'm not a hands-on detail sort of person. Uh, and then the, the person who was running it after that, he had no experience running events either. He was just uh, very passionate about uh, the, the events and, and wanted to see it grow. And he yeah. lived in Acapulco. So he ran it for a while, but he had no event experience. And it, it showed because yeah. it, it, there's so many problems. There's just, you know, like, basic things like registration we didn't really have much of a registration yeah. uh, people there'd be like long lines because we didn't think about things like that but this year oh, i think we almost overkilled it a little bit <laughs> i don't even know how many staff we had uh like in the past i'd say the actual amount of people that we had on staff uh, even last year that we're getting paid for things not not volunteers we get some volunteers as well which is awesome but actual people getting paid is probably like I'm going to guess five, six, seven people. And I think this year it, it had to be well over 50. It could have been a yeah. hundred people. Like right. it was a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, in, in that respect, it was incredibly well run. I was, that, that was the, for me, the, the best part of, uh, the event because I'm a little bit of a, I think there's a word for it, like a uh, perfectionist. Yeah. Um, like when it's my thing, you know, I started this and, and anyone who started something knows this. It's like, it's so like, you become so passionate about it. It has to just be as perfect as can be. Yeah, right? yeah. That's how I am anyway. And when it isn't, it really, it hurts. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. we screwed up on this. It shouldn't have, it should have been better. Uh, and this year, uh, in terms of actual organization and, and the event going off without a hitch, 
it was it was as good as I could have hoped for. I couldn't believe it really compared to last year's where I get a call and it's like, oh, one of our top speakers, uh, we forgot to book, book him a hotel room and he's like 80 years old and uh, we forgot to pick him up at the airport and yeah. he's wandering around Acapulco Lost. Can you go get him, Jeff? Yeah. Like this would actually happen. This happened right. two years ago uh, or last year, like not this year. And um, and this year, I didn't get one call uh, that I had to go run somewhere and do something, which was so nice. Like that, that again is a, is a big part of the reason I was able to enjoy it and not, you know, drink too much or anything because I was actually like not too stressed out this yeah, year. Yeah. I was actually able to actually almost enjoy the event for the first time. And did you have like someone, did, did you let the, kind of let the speakers take care of themselves or did you have everyone picking up the speakers from the airport and doing this kind of thing? How did you, how did you handle that kind of thing? Uh, we don't pick up all the speakers yeah. at the airport. We actually had over 150 speakers. We right, had five right. stages this year. A lot of them are really small, like no one's heard of them or anything, but we, we, we like what they're doing, so we want to give sure. them an opportunity. Uh, but no, it's just like, you know, the main ones, I'd probably say the top 10. Uh, some of them we have to pay quite a bit of money to. Yeah. And they also come with like their own, uh, they come with their own team. They come with like their own security people. Oh, and really? they want, yeah, people like Ron Paul, for example, yeah. uh, very well known. I ran for president numerous times. Uh, he has, you know, people around him all yeah. the time and uh they have certain you know we want to be picked up at the airport we want two cars to bring us to the hotel all this kind of stuff yeah. uh, so we do that for people like that but um for, for the rest though like i was really impressed we had like a speaker's lounge which was out of the way which uh the speakers could get to very discreetly so they didn't have to like sign a lot of autographs or take a lot of selfies and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff uh, and uh, very relaxed there with, you know, anything you wanted, juice or champagne, whatever you wanted. Yeah. Uh, and then a way to get to the backstage without having to, again, take too many selfies and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, that sort of thing. So we, it was very, very well run in that regard. How do they, you know, it's interesting, like some speakers, like especially the ones that are very popular and social media savvy, don't, don't really care about the selfies. They'll, I've seen people, they'll do like 300 and then some people, it just stresses them out. Like how, how, how were these guys about it? You know, did you, did you have some people that they didn't like it and some people who they didn't care about anything? Well, everyone's different, and I I probably take the most selfies of anyone at yeah. the event, and uh, I, that's why actually I, I always had like a glass of white wine because right. it is a bit stressful just constantly having people grabbing you and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But at the same time, I don't mind it. Like it's like wow, like how least, amazing yeah, they know who you are, you know, like it's a good thing, you know. Yeah, like I'm not like angry about it or anything. It's just like it's a bit stressful. You're just constantly being, uh, you, you know, someone wants to talk to you or take a photo or whatever. Um, but uh, people like Ron Paul, for example, like he's got uh, private security and we actually hire security for him and a few other uh, people that's just on their contract. They yeah. want that. And they kind of like keep people away if they're like a little bit too, too, uh, you know, demanding and stuff really? like that. But even people like Ron Paul, he'll stop and take a photo. Uh, no problem. I don't think we have any speakers who are too like, oh, I, uh, you know, that I can't handle taking photos or anything like that. So we, we've actually got, that's actually one of the reasons that Narcopoco has done really well is that most, like I'd say 90% plus of our, our top speakers are like at the event the entire time. They're at lunch, they're that's at cool. dinner, they're at the cocktail parties, they're at the beach. You can just walk up and talk to a lot of them, man. And I think people really like that's that. That's what I say to speakers like you know you never want to be a prima donna because especially you know you get a, occasionally you get a speaker who they speak at one event and they become an instant in their head of an instant celebrity you know and and like i said to speakers you should go to every networking event everyone wants to meet you you know you're going to double your popularity if you just hang out hang out with everybody you know um so so obviously that the kickoff did you have everyone in one room did you have a room big enough to get everyone for the for the opening keynote and stuff or did you have like a overflow rooms and stuff 
Yeah, we had a lot, the room was big enough to hold two thousand people, so um, uh, just just enough. And we also had like three, four other stages uh, that were you know would have other things going on. So uh, it, the old room actually was only filled for I think one speaker, and this happens every year, and that's Ron Paul. He's by far the most popular yeah, yeah. Uh, speaker. Everyone loves him. He's like the grandfather of basically our movement, you could yeah. say. Uh, and even though he's he hasn't called himself an anarchist his whole life, he's more he of a libertarian, isn't he? Specifically. Yeah, but he's basically an anarchist, and yeah. he's hinted that he's an anarchist, but he just doesn't say it because, you know, for people like they're 70 or 80, when you say you're an anarchist, people think you're crazy. Like, yeah. what, you like throwing bombs? They yeah. don't understand. Sure. So it's totally understandable that he hasn't, like, gone out and said he's an anarchist or anything, but he really has been uh, his entire life, and he's done so much. Uh, many of the people who have become anarchists over the last 10 years became so because they found out about Ron Paul around 2008 when he was yeah. running for president. They looked into libertarianism, and then we we have a saying that uh, the difference between a libertarian and an anarchist is about six months because once you become libertarian yeah. and you start to think about the final few things that you think the government should do, once you start looking at it, you're like, they shouldn't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you're, you're just an anarchist and you really can't go back after that. Yeah. So that's funny. How, so you, I want to talk about a few of the things you had, like you mentioned this year, did you have everything together? Like crypto poker, were all your kind of sub events together or was that a pre-event like this year? Yeah, we actually had everything pretty much together That's this year. I, thought, and I don't yeah, know yeah. If, if if people liked it or didn't. I, I've heard both. Um, yeah. So yeah, we had CryptoPoco stage running all four days of the main event as well. So if you're just into crypto, and there is some people who just come for the crypto, uh, they just sat in the crypto room all day every day. Um, but uh, we also had health and wellness stage, other stages. So sometimes uh, one thing that worked really well that we might do a bit more in the future is after a speaker speaks on the main stage, uh, they can kind of mention they'll be doing something sort of separate on one of the smaller stages that's a little bit more specific or maybe yeah. like a bit of a workshop or, or things like that. And that worked really well. So a lot of the speakers who uh, we did that with, uh, they'd finish on the main stage in front of 1,000, 1,500 people, however many people it was. And then they just mentioned, hey, if you like this, I'm going to go into detail on some of these other topics on the, this stage that's right cool. over there in about 15 minutes. And a lot of people would just come over if, if they really liked it. So that, that part worked really well. So... Uh, for next year, we're just going to have to look at what everything that worked, everything that didn't work, and, and just try to improve on it again next year. And and how you had a few areas now. How did the fa you said you were going to do a family area? How did the family area go? Did, did people use that much? Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. It was about it was about fifty families came and. Yeah. Uh, they, they were in there, like a, I think it was all four days of an Arcavoco. Yeah. It was just family camp stuff. And I actually didn't make it in until the very last day, the very last hour. They wanted me to come in and talk. And I went in. There were so many kids. And it was such a great vibe. And everyone yeah. said they loved it. So that part was really great. So hopefully we'll be able to do that again uh, next year. Yeah, that's well. cool. If I come for sure, we'll, I'll be bringing the family. So, And what about you? You, were gonna, you had a nudist area. How did that work out? <laughs> actually, uh, one of the things that happened this year... Uh, well, two things. Um, because of our losses on the cryptocurrencies, which most people pay with, yeah. and that we didn't hedge, uh, we had to cancel a number of things last yeah. minute because we, we we actually didn't realize. Yeah. I, like, I have numerous businesses. I don't pay attention to details. And the person who I brought in to manage, it took her a number of months to figure out where everything was at because yeah. the last guy who ran it didn't really help her at all. So it was around November when she uh, messaged me and she goes, I think we're losing a ton of money. I'm like, how's that possible? We've got like more people coming than ever. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, it's because I just looked at our cryptocurrency account and it's like, you know, like we brought in like 300 or $400,000 in crypto. It's only worth like $100,000 now. And I was yeah. like, 
oh crap <laughs> and so we were like cancel this cancel that what else can we cut so we ended up cutting a number of things uh, we cut the nude pool uh we cut um there was we're gonna have like a, a rage room where you could go in and break stuff if you're in. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have a beach uh, concert area we canceled that um and one other thing that we canceled it wasn't because of budget was we're gonna have a strip club as well i remember that and, yeah no that was gonna be my next question yeah so uh, when I started in Arcapoco, it was like five years ago, and I used to, like, I was pretty wild still. I'm, I'm like, way more settled down now. I've kind of grown up in the last couple yeah. of years. And, but I used to go to strip clubs all the time and parties and all that kind of stuff. And I, I always, in my mind, I was like, man, we have to have a strip club at Anarcapoco. Like, just, you know, it'd be so cool because it, it's anarchy. You can do whatever you want, basically, as long as you don't hurt anyone. So why not have a strip club? And uh, so we announced it last year, and I was really surprised that most people didn't like the idea. I, I, I just assumed I was going to announce it, and yeah. I get tons of messages. That's awesome. Can't wait. And it was mostly messages like, uh, I think you shouldn't do it. It's kind of like degrading the event. Uh, I was, you know, I'm bringing my family. I, I, I don't really like this vibe, but there's a strip club. Um, and so when we had the budget issues and we're getting all this sort of like negative feedback, uh, we just decided to cancel the strip club. Uh, I will say that it's, we might do it next year, but maybe not quite a strip club, maybe some sort of like topless waitress and waiter bar. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to really announce it. It's going to be in one of the downstairs underground bars where most people, you'd have to know where it is to find it. So we'll keep it a little bit more quiet if we do it. Um, but uh, we, we might do something similar, but that's, that's the reason that we didn't do uh, some of those things this year. Yeah, it's funny, you know, um, talking about like the, the, the secret stuff. So I don't know if you've ever been to DEF CON. It's a hacking conference in Vegas. No, I haven't. I've been to it a couple of times. It's, I'm fascinated by the whole, you know, the, that, that kind of area. And um, they have a lot of parties there where it's kind of secret. It's really cool. Like, you know, you, even there's one party that's announced on the program and it's, it's in a cipher. You know, it's actually something called a Caesar cipher. You've got to decipher the message and people will give you, you'll meet someone and they'll get on with you and they'll give you a message to a, a party, like an invitation with a piece of paper. But it'll have a bunch of like Egyptian hieroglyphics on it or something. And you literally, and it's, it's like a whole, it's cool. It gamifies the whole thing. Just something to think about. And that was so cool. Like, because you spend like half the afternoon trying to figure out how to get to this party, you know, and what it really is. And people help you. And, uh, and when you finally make it, it's like, yeah, I made it to the party. You know, it's, it's cool. But that's because they're all hackers and geeks. So that's, that's how they think, you know. I'm, I'm sure the strip club wasn't an issue because if people are looking for that kind of thing, I'm sure there's places in Acapulco they can go, you know. So. Oh, yeah, there's, there's lots of strip clubs in Acapulco. So, I just thought it'd be kind of cool to have it right on the space, especially since we bought out the hotel. Yeah. Uh, and so we could do virtually anything we wanted. But uh, we ended up not doing it. And we'll see what happens in the future. I still want to definitely do some sort of edgy sort of things. Yeah. But how we do them in the future, I think we'll be a bit more careful. So, um, especially, you know, like you have a lot of people bring their families, as we just yeah. talked about. And, uh, uh, you know, like I don't think we really want to make this into like a very like outwardly hedonistic sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but if you come, there is some hedonistic things you can do, you know, sure. so, stuff like that. If you want to do those sort of things, yeah. but maybe not just make it like a, you know, promote it uh, right sure. up front like that. And how are the parties? What, tell me about the evening events. Like what kind of things did you do in the evenings? Oh man. Uh, it's, you know, you have people coming there like a week before a week after a lot of people rent houses, Airbnbs, yeah. they all throw their own parties. You just see flyers. Like, as you just mentioned with the hackathon or whatever, uh, yeah. the, the DEF CON, uh, people are going around passing out sort of like, here's my party tonight. And so, yeah, there's just like nonstop, uh, parties and events, uh, at, uh, at the event for like a, a week before and a week after. So, That's cool. so yeah, that, that part, uh, it's pretty cool. And, and there's so many things to go to. 
to. We, of course, have events ourselves. Like yeah, did you have like an official event every, every evening? Was that the plan? I think we did, yeah. Uh, we had like a DJ pool party with tacos one night. Uh, yeah. One night was at a the top uh, nightclub in Acapulco called Palladium. Uh, that's where we had Immortal Technique and a number yeah. of uh, other amazing rappers. Uh, and so that was an entire event. Uh, I think we had it's just like uh, numerous things. It's just yeah. always something to do. And what about the end? Like, did it was he? Were you, were you having to deal with a lot of admin afterwards? Or it sounds like you've kind of with this committee, you, you've got yourself out of most of a day to day. It seems this year, which is pretty impressive. You know, it's hard to do. Yeah, that's always my goal. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, so I've started numerous businesses in my life, and like the number one goal is to make it so you don't have to do very much. (laughs) uh, Unfortunately, with the uh, Dollar Vigilante, of course, like it's all about you know myself and my partner and what we think. So I have to be working, but I actually don't mind that kind of work, like writing a lot, analyzing, doing even videos. I don't mind as much anymore. Uh, But uh, when it comes to like like an Arcapoco, like I like my dream is like I don't even have to do anything yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. like they basically just come to me and go what do you think of this i'm like yeah sounds good and yeah. then at the end they come they go okay here's how much money we made here here's your profits like thank you very much yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah like as an entrepreneur i'm always trying to get out of actually doing anything really <laughs> definitely it's a way for I, i'm like like things for me like doing this podcast it, it's not working I, I enjoy it you know like i do it even if it didn't lead to any business or anything else you know it, it, it's fun you know um, so what are the plans for next year? Like what, what are you, you've got the committee. Are, are you going to aim for the same kind of number? Like what, what are you thinking you'll change and do differently? That's a good question. As you just pointed out, we're still, um, going through the numbers, yeah. counting disaster this year. The accountant kind of quits like right at the beginning and we somehow didn't bring in another accountant. So yeah. or like two months afterwards, we're still not even sure if we made lost money or, or broke even or anything, but that should be done actually this Friday. Yeah. Uh, that is the deadline. And it looks like we're going to have that. And then once that's done, uh, we can we can then look at all the numbers, look at everything, and then start to plan for next year. Yeah. So we're a bit behind on that. I would have liked to have been at this point about a month ago, but you know these things happen. And uh, so we really haven't planned hardly anything for next year. It's very wide open. I'm very open-minded. I'm hoping, as I said, to bring in a number of other voices into it. So it's just not me sure. uh, thinking of all these things or making decisions. Um, but in general, it's going to just probably grow. Uh, yeah. I said this, that if the crypto market does well this year, we're going to easily have at least 3,000, if not sure. more people next year. Uh, so, um, And it's looking pretty good so far. So if, if this continues, uh, I, I haven't even seen ticket sales yet. Like we started selling tickets immediately after the last event. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about the sales. So uh, like if, if I go and I go, how's ticket sales been? They're like, it's terrible. Then it's like, okay, well, we have to be careful here. Maybe it's not going to be as big as we thought. Or... Maybe they're going to go, oh, it's been amazing. Yeah. You know, compared to last year, it looks like we're going to easily have 3000 next year. And then we go, okay, here's the budget then. Here's what we expect. Hopefully, we're not going to lose 70% of our money on crypto losses next year. And we can do all kinds of great stuff. But cool. uh, we really haven't even started to plan yet. But that's going to start uh, probably starting next week. Cool. Well, look, Jeff, I think we're up to our time. It was a real pleasure to talk again. And uh all the best. I'm sure we'll, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, hope to get you on again to talk about how plans are going for next year, whatever stuff you're doing in your business. And again, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. There's actually a uh, crypto event uh, in Prague 
I forget the name of it. It's a super hardcore crypto event. Do you know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I do. It's it's at a place called the Institute of Crypto Anarchy, which is actually quite close to where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, are you going to come? Well, I don't know when it is, but someone kind of half invited me to it. And when I heard about it, I was like, that sounds pretty look it cool. Up right like, now. It's super edgy. Prague, I think it was I in June. Prague. It was in June or July last year. Yeah, that'd be good because I don't want to go there in the winter. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. We can hang out. It'd be cool. I'll, I'll take you to all the, all the fun places. Oh, I love Prague. Prague's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, when was the last time you were here? Nightlife. Yeah, it's great. Prague's great. I'll, I'll figure out the dates and I'll drop you an email afterwards. All <laughs> right, so that's cool. Good. Man. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, man. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 